Happy trade deadline eve to all of you. The largest trade in the NBA since 2012 players involved in a four-teamer between the Nuggets, Rockets, Hawks, and Wolves. Mr. LaRue, as tradition demands, the terms please. Oh, this this was going to take a little while. Uh Let's start from Houston's perspective. Houston acquires Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and a second round pick. I don't think we know exactly what second that is yet. We'll we'll find out soon enough. And they trade Clint Capella, Nene, Gerald Green, and it looks like they're 2021st. The Hawks receive Clint Capella, Nene. They trade the 2020 Brooklyn first and Evan Turner. Minnesota acquires Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, Evan Turner, and that Brooklyn first-round pick. They trade Covington, Shabazz Napier, Jordan Bell, Kata Bates-Diop, and Noah Vonley. Denver gets that Houston first-round pick. We don't know what year, probably 2020. Napier, Vonley, Bates-Diop, and Gerald Green. They trade Beasley, Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, we'll proceed under the assumption right now that the second round pick isn't amazing enough to matter. And also that the first rounder that Houston's sending out is this year's because, and they can feel free to be able to do that unprotected. If it's knowing Daryl, he'd probably just top four protected it anyway, just to be safe. But, yeah, and, and we should note that the reason why that can happen, because you might say, hey, they gave up a bunch in the Westbrook deal. Those were further out. So that means that Houston actually has the ability to trade picks in the next couple of years if they want to. Yeah, they have the ability to trade either their 2020 or 2022 first round pick, but doing it in 2020 definitely makes a, a lot more sense. So let's start here from Houston's perspective. Capella on the move. He was really the only way they could do it in terms of matching salary, especially if they were to uh, not do that thing that never comes up in a meeting even once, which is go over the luxury tax. There was ironically a report that Tillman Fertillo was totally down to pay the tax this year, but they're not going to now. They are 5.8 million below the tax, save a ton of money here. They do have exception money left. However, there's one thing that we got wrong on the mock trade deadline. Thanks to Bima Thug on Twitter for pointing this out that because Nene's actual number was 10 million, they technically went over the hard cap and could only use their minimum level and lost then both their BAE and the full MLE. So they've got about a million dollars left of that now after some of the signings they did, including Daniel House. But that still is more than just the prorated veterans minimum that they could give out. And they get their man, Robert Covington, under contract for two more years, about $12 million a year after this one. How do you make him as a fit in Houston now, especially considering they, it seems like the plan per Tim McMahon is to start PJ Tucker at center. The timing of this is so is so strange because the urgency of going small ball, center, avoiding, switchy was when the Warriors were the prime team. Covington is now coming onto the Rockets and building this more aggressive team after that idea when the Lakers have a lot of big dudes, including Anthony Davis and LeBron, and the Clippers function a little bit differently, but they 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 attack, they, they, you know, they don't structure things like the Warriors do. I don't think you want to switch a ton against Kawhi, because Kawhi will just tear up everybody like tissue paper. And then you have, of course, Jokic on the Nuggets, and depending on what happens the next couple of years, you know, maybe you have a rising team like Dallas or somebody else. So, 
that part of this is is a little bit confounding to me that it's it's a bet on this philosophy when that philosophy appears less dangerous but offensively Covington is a more dependent offensive player he you know who who signed his first NBA contract with with the Rockets let's know back way back in 2013 and so I think that putting him in a situation where Harden and Westbrook will create most of his opportunities will be good for Covington on that end and shooting 35% from three this year 36% in his career and this year taking eight per 36 so you're happy with that and in in D'Antoni's system could do even more so I think the offensive part of this could be compelling even though they lose Houston loses a a role man that I I think really did benefit their offense in in many respects so I, I don't I don't love this from Houston's perspective on the court especially because of who we think they're going to play in the playoffs now that's interesting this does seem actually that it might be a little bit more about offense than defense because James Harden is not quite the finisher that he once was when you're spacing PJ Tucker who might as well just nail his feet to either corner on offense at this point you make the finishing for James Harden and Russell Westbrook a lot easier against the teams that do have this size like the Lakers Clippers not necessarily I think defensively and it's interesting to see you know Covington is an excellent help defender as a switch guy I mean I think they are going to switch with him but he's not that amazing I do think that Kawhi might be able to go through him but we could see them maybe do some doubling against the Clippers they're not an amazing passing team Covington probably can't guard LeBron either but I think if you can find a way to have him not be on the ball his help ability is really fantastic he can also get them some turnovers between he and Harden they actually can get a fair number of steals now they've still got Gordon they've still got PJ Tucker Westbrook and Harden are are pretty thick guys so I think this makes them better and there's another aspect of this too well can I I bring up something offensively yeah yeah please there have been well you know well justified complaints that Clint Capella is not the right guy to attack when teams double James Harden Robert Covington is not the greatest decision maker either you know, like no. so, it, it you know weakening the not not necessarily weakening the passing and decision making relative to Capella, but there would be a thought that when you go smaller, that that is a benefit. And I agree with you that the spacing, you know, there'll be things there. Though I will note that the there is gravity to quality role men as well. It's just a little bit different. It pulls yeah. people in a direction that is maybe less valuable for the Rockets than other teams do their drivers. But they, you know, not getting another pass or another, you know, the two dribbles and a good decision has never been a hallmark of Robert Covington's offensive career. Yeah, but I think the idea is just that he's going to be 6-9 and stand there on the wing and just bomb it from deep. I mean, they are going to shoot so many three-pointers now. I mean, they shot a ton before. They're going to shoot even more now. And, you know, Covington, you wish that he were just a little bit better as a shooter. From a reliability standpoint, he will definitely get them up. But, you know, he's a 35% guy and he just takes a lot of them. And, you know, Houston has had success with guys like that, but you also could see him prone to some real cold streaks. We saw it in the playoffs with Philly a couple of years ago. Health is a very interesting question for both players. Clint Capella seemed like he was really struggling with this heel soreness. It had been termed plantar fasciitis by Kelly Eco. Mike D'Antoni answered questions as if that were the issue. And so I don't know if that was necessarily going to get better this year. You know, you usually have to take a lot of time off for that for it to fully heal. Sometimes it's almost better if you straight up tear it because then it'll fully heal and you're forced to sit out. The good news from Atlanta's standpoint, as we'll get to, is they don't really care if Capella is that healthy this year. They're not going to be making the playoffs anyway. This is more for future years. Covington also has some knee issues, but you're not as concerned about that if you're Houston because uh, the time is now and 
he, he's still under contract. He, of course, started his career in Houston, ironically enough, and then uh, ended up getting waived early on in his career. So Daryl Morey has him back now, righting that wrong. And I think this is also a bet that you can at least get something at the center position on the buyout market and just simply that they are going to play differently than everyone else in the West now who are really kind of going more towards a big style than had been the case in the past. Certainly Covington could have helped against the Golden State, but now maybe the Rockets are thinking, well, we can be the Golden State. We're the ones who are going to play this small ball style that no one else can match up with. That's the hope in theory. It is the hope in theory. Also note, uh, Woj tweeted this out pretty recently as we're recording this, that technically speaking, until the trade is made, Houston could try to fold in another player and they actually have more salary flexibility to do that. Now, whether that happens due to the luxury tax concerns or anything else is, is there. And remember, it has to happen before the trade call. And my, I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe that door is open a little bit. And just wanted to note it as we before we move on to presumably Atlanta. Well, one other thing here too, Houston probably, depending on how they choose to structure us, it can create some trade exceptions, 3.6 million. That would be enough to just straight up trade for a Markeith Morris and they would still be able to stay under the tax if they did that. So they don't have much in the way of seconds going forward, but depending on what Detroit wanted to give up, Markeith has a player option for next year. I think he would fit in playing some small ball center with this group or there's the center market in buyouts i mean it's not unbelievable i'm sure they would love to have tristan thompson if they could uh because you know they do want to match up to some degree with anthony davis and nikola Jokic. i mean those are the two guys that they're probably gonna play although i do think pj tucker if you're just talking about a straight up post defender he might be better than anyone else that they're gonna get maybe not thompson uh, on some of the bigger guys but pj tucker is a pretty awesome post defender it just becomes when you if you're gonna be in this switching system maybe it gets more difficult there uh i had another idea of maybe someone that they might want to grab who's uh thon maker maybe just pick him up because again they're going to the switching system all these centers were like oh man this guy can switch and you know uh, maybe he's got some usefulness they also got jordan bell in this deal of course and we had talked about that. Hollinger and I have probably brought it up when we did our Southwest Division trade pivot as well, that maybe Bell, who's just shown some ability to switch in the past, he could give him a little bit of gravity rolling towards the rim. Showed some passing ability, but he's very mistake-prone. He wasn't even playing, obviously, for minnesota but maybe he could fit in at, at least give him a shot as a switch guy and he'll be a restricted free agent after this year should they want to retain him so i thought that was a nice pickup someone to just have as a throw-in that he could fit into his system where you know he's not fitting into a lot of other systems uh he'd work well in transition running the floor as well with the speed that they're playing at so um I like that. And then, you know, there's some other guys who might be available on the buyout market, like a Taj Gibson. Maybe part of this deal is just, hey, wink, wink, Atlanta, will you buy out Alex Len? And uh, he could end up here. Um, you know, John Henson, Bismack, Biombo. I mean, if they just wanted to get a body at center, I mean, they still have Tyson Chandler and Hartenstein, but, you know, those guys are not particularly dynamic uh, at this point in time. So uh, last thing before we move on here. Do you like this deal for the Rockets or not? I don't love it. I think that Covington is a more likely part of their their closing five than Capella, so that part of it is positive. And he makes less money over the next couple of years, which is nice. I mean, he, and he plays a position of more value. But I mean, it ultimately depends on what you think of Capella. I think that's right. probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Also, you know, giving up their first round pick now that is a way uh, another way that they can't improve either in the immediate or theoretically by drafting a player and actually building a young. Asset base that some that Seth, yeah. Seth Sam the, and I did the piece uh, on their timeline though that player wasn't gonna right but make it's a just difference. the it's just the idea that you don't have to do 
everything on a single timeline, um, and and building yeah. that asset base makes you you know that that's part of the reason the Rockets are where they are well, now. Is well, that they well when you're about to get fired at the end of the year because of the China saga, you probably do have to do everything on a, on a single timeline. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but so hopefully, I'm joking there. Hopefully, um, so I would say I'm a little bit more negative than neutral, but not much. I mean, I, I could see that there's an easy rationale for this working. I'm just a little bit dubious, and the biggest reason why is because Covington's strength as a defender is in that help context not in the one-on-one and because they don't have anybody else he's going to draw those assignments and i just first of all use of resources problem second of all it's just a reminder that i mean i think their defense is not at that level and to me if if you're giving up a first round pick and not really moving the needle too much in terms of your viability versus the best teams well then i i'm not a huge fan of the deal yeah i think i like it more than you i i think Covington's help abilities will really matter with this group because they if you're getting beat off the dribble or you've got mismatches you're really concerned with the help concepts once you get into those mismatches on a switch and so he can be hugely important there and he's still fine off uh, on the ball you know just not unbelievable and he's still a little thin to go against the absolute best guys but, you know, against a team like the Jazz or something, I think, you know, he's fine switching on to like a Donovan Mitchell. I think it's just the, the guys who have more size that, that cause him problems. Um, and I think you're just, you're saying, hey, wings are more important. You're making a real bet on that. You're making a bet on spacing the floor. Capella had had some moments, but, you know, he didn't develop into, you know, necessarily a top 10 center in the NBA. And so to me, we always talk about the fungibility of centers. Well, this is a a bet on that. And whether it's getting someone in the buyout market, playing Tucker at center. And then also, if you're looking at next year, you're saving some money. If you are going to be still trying to avoid the tax, you save some money for next year. And hopefully you can get a center with an exception next year as well. So I think going forward, you might be better off and I think they just want to try really going crazy with small ball. And uh, they'd had some success with that with Capella out recently. And then also throw in Danny. I mean, like what if Capella just wasn't going to be able to be effective the rest of the year? You know what I mean? I think, I think that is a, a big part of this. So that's a, if Capella wasn't going to be able to play the rest of the year, then I think it's a pretty easy decision, right? If he wasn't going to play the rest of the year, then that's, then that's yeah, fair thing. Or, or no, you're... I, there's a 30% chance that he wasn't going to be himself. You know, what if it's that? Yeah. And I mean, at the same point, you know, like if it, it does, it does materially affects the Rockets, but I, I don't think that it, you know, it, ele- it elevates them that much, you know, into serious contention about above the two teams, the two yeah. teams that are definitely above them. And then that weird morass from three to six in the West. I, we'll I agree with you that it probably won't, but I think it gives them a little more of a chance. It gives them some variance. It gives them just a different way of playing that, you know, maybe this will be lightning in a bottle for them. I don't, think it will be but it could be so there are parallels there with what we said about the russell westbrook trade though this is has, has more, way less downside than that one did. yeah well westbrook is is playing better now too so that's uh, i mean he is playing better, i mean he correct? is playing better but in terms of like their playoff viability <laughs> yeah uh okay that that was awesome let's uh get to atlanta right after this okay so basically what this boils down to here nene doesn't matter at all for them they actually save some cash uh, moving on from evan turner it's a 2024 golden state second rounder i think that came to them from the damian jones and amari spellman swap so that's what houston is getting Eh, that could actually be semi-valuable pick who knows where golden state will be four years from now uh you know could, could at least be worth something to houston as far as maybe you could trade that for a Marquise Morris or something um some other minimum salary guy who could be in the rotation so what do you think 2020 Brooklyn first rounder probably gonna be 15th overall 
15th or 16th. For Clint Capella, you also are now reducing your salary cap space from what I project to be 60 million down to about 45 million this summer with this deal. But they get their guy in theory as a, a defensive anchor and also a, a rim runner, quality starting center with Trey Young. A way of thinking about this deal is that Atlanta was presumed, you know, that they, there were a number of different ways that they could have attacked the problem at center, assuming they, the whole, let's say a big man next to John Collins and they they didn't wait but they did get a player who is on a more reasonable contract for the next couple of years then even even with this kind of tepid market then they probably would have would have generated i mean there was the idea of them going after andre drummond my instinct and it's a pretty significant one is that drummond is going to make more than 51 million over the three years after this year and that's what capella is already under contract for and yeah, that was we'll, a five-year deal that he signed in the summer of 2018 right and Capella, I think it, whenever he is available, will really help both their defense and just the overall level of talent on this team, giving them a capable role man will help. And doing so at a reasonable price, I think that I think that makes some sense. And that in a normal draft, I would the, the Brooklyn pick seems a little bit strong. It isn't a lottery pick because it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, but it is about as strong as a non-lottery pick can be, other than draft quality, which sounds like it's bad. And we'll see. You know, even if a, even if there is a lowly a low regarded group, there are still prospects that will shine through. That will have to take a little bit of time to evaluate. I I do like this modestly for the Hawks just because I think Capella was a superior option to some of the guys that were available and remember that it is possible that there would be a, a better value you know just if the, there's the supply and demand are just so out of whack at center right now that maybe somebody would have been cheaper but player plus cost I don't think they could they were going to do better than Capella the only p- thing that I want to mention here is the possibility that the best player available for them in the draft with their own pick which is not in this deal of course is James Wiseman and then you get into a weird conversation but I don't think Capella is going to do anything to nuke his value. So if that happens, then you just move Capella again. Yeah, and also Eventually. Wiseman may not be ready to start that first year. Exactly. I mean, they are really trying to take a step forward next year. And kind of what you're comparing now, of course, you had to give up a first rounder. Is all right. We have 15 million. You know, you save a little bit on not using this draft pick, so th- that bites into the Capella salary for the next couple of years, uh, around 17 million a year. He is probably, you know, unless they wanted to like spend a bunch of money on Serge Ibaka who I think is at a point where he's going to want to win, wouldn't want to come there. Probably better defensively than anyone who would have been available on the free agent market this summer. You know, Derek Favors might have been a possibility to come back there, but he's less available than Capella. He's older. I'm not going to say, though, that Capella is some great defensive player. You know, he could look good in that rocket switching system. At times, they played good defense when he they weren't switching before uh, at the end of last year uh, with his help. But, you know, he is kind of health and athleticism dependent. But there aren't, uh, I think he's not a difference-making center, like all-star level, but he is a guy who can do things pretty well on both ends. Now, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Is he such a defensive difference maker that he can make up for all the flotsam that they have on the perimeter? That's a tall order. But, you know, maybe he doesn't need to do that. Maybe he just needs to get them to be, you know, the 22nd ranked defense instead of the 30th ranked defense. You know, uh, And so I think ultimately this is a decent move. They've got a lot of young guys. I would have preferred maybe to have some more bites at the apple. They gave up a lot of draft capital. You know, we were talking about, oh, they've got so many picks going forward. Now they basically just have their own picks other than one from OKC that's lotto protected and then immediately turns into 24 and 25 seconds. So 
another this is really their only extra pick going forward other than that and so they do need to me more star talent in the mix like this is kind of your team now in addition to who you spend that 45 million in free agency on which you know you could get two starters out of that maybe even three if you spend your money wisely so they go in now with certainly needs for adult wings who can defend and shoot and maybe play make a little they will still need a backup center they'll still need a backup point guard in free agency this year but certainly they can get all those needs and so maybe with some growth from hunter and cam reddish not playing anymore and herder and young looking even better you know maybe they could complete for the playoffs i certainly think that center in their starting lineup was by far their biggest hole agreed especially because of collins limitations defensively you know like that that well that's the elephant in the room now is how those two guys are gonna play together it is, and I wondered, and this was something I talked about a little bit, you and I talked about in some deadline stuff, about there are this collection of teams that drafted bigs that it appears that they like, and this I would say this group is John Collins, Marvin Bagley, and DeAndre Eaton. And all of them, it was a little bit of an open question about what you put next to them, offensively, defensively. And now Atlanta becomes the first of those teams to really clarify their decision. And by putting the resources into getting Capella, at least for the foreseeable future, John Collins' primary role, power forward next to Clint Capella. And defensively, and, I think and maybe that, he's the backup center. Yeah, as sure. Well. They could they could do that approach. Certainly possible. And I mean, they, it's also very easy to get a backup center. So if they want to use resources that way, they can do it. And I think that it is probably best for the Hawks because my belief is that you, at least in the in the near term, without some significant growth, you can't build a decent defense around John Collins there, especially with Trey Young as one of your only other locked-in starter. And while, you know, Hunter has potential and maybe some of their other guys put pieces together, they can sign free agents that are capable defensively. That was just, it was too much to, to accomplish. And so I think that's the right decision. And if Capella is not the kind of the, the two-way big that I would have liked next to Collins, that Deadman was where he can shoot the three. And so it doesn't doesn't affect the floor spacing in the same way. But Capella, capable role man, has done that with a good passer for years now. So yeah, I, I, I like this move overall for the Hawks and the opportunity cost of losing that cap space and not being able to kind of vulture the center market and just pick up whoever gets undervalued it does hurt but i like capella better than whoever they would have vultured so it's not as big of a cost yeah last bit of housekeeping here they're 3.8 million under the cap now let me double check if that's right assuming that they're going to move on from nene pretty quickly here and so that could enable them to do some other business take on some players in to help say an okc get out of the tax golden state reduce their bill that kind of thing facilitate some other trades potentially they're probably gonna have to waive travion graham that's what we have projected at patreon.com slash duncan larue where we actually already less than an hour after these terms were totally finalized have your new salary sheets out so if you are a visual learner you want to see all this how this affects teams books going forward you can check this out so yeah i think ultimately i like this okay for the hawks it's it's a bet on capella it's possible to me that he won't fix their defensive issues but i think he was the best bet that they could have made in any kind of a short term in the next year or two to at least take a swing at getting better defensively and he still is a quality role man and 
finisher to play with Trey Young on the offensive end as well, which of course is quite important. Okay, another break here, and then we'll get to the remaining two teams in this deal. All right, so for Minnesota, they had the most moving pieces there. Do you want to just restate exactly what the hell they did? <laughs> Yeah, and it's structured, I believe, uh, per Bobby Marks, that their part of this trade is three separate transactions because that makes it it makes it easier to, to make it work. They are trading Covington, Napier, Bell, Bates Diop, and Noah Vonleh to various places and receiving Malik Beasley, Wancho Werner Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, Evan Turner's expiring contract, and Brooklyn's 2020 first-round pick that we expect to be the 16th or 17th pick in the draft. Or sorry, 15th or 16th. Yes. So basically they trade Covington there was talk that the asking price was two first round picks they did not receive that but the first rounder that they're getting from Atlanta is pretty good that's why that you fold all this in right the you if it was going to just be Houston 2020 and 2022 picks that pick from Atlanta the Brooklyn pick is really much better I think than most people would expect either of those picks to be you never know what's going to happen with Houston but that pick probably would have been lottery protected in 2022 that also would have caused some issues because with the picks that they owed Oklahoma City going forward if you were going to try to lottery protect it and then it didn't go over it would have had to transition into seconds and that was a big risk as well so this was a much better asset even though you're saying oh two first two first two first this is a much better first than you would have expected them to get. And then you also throw in that they're getting a couple of guys who I think could fit pretty well in their system in Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez. Adding in the two Denver restricted free agents makes this a much better deal for me for Minnesota because they are exactly the type of team that should have gone at that should be going after 2020 pending restricted free agents. Minnesota wasn't really going to have cap space to work with in even clearing Covington's money. You know, they, they could have had a little bit, but not, not too much to really move the needle. And this summer, so few teams have space and the restricted process is so limited most of the time that Minnesota really should be able to squeeze on these guys. Maybe not with Beasley, if just if a team falls in love with him, but Wancho, and I like the fit. Minnesota's non-town shooting has been horrendous, and they have a lot of pieces that are kind of, you know, that are okay on the perimeter in various capacities, and so adding just more potential players into that mix could be a positive, and as long as they sign somewhat reasonable contracts moving forward, and if they, you know, if somebody makes an unreasonable offer to Malik Beasley, the Wolves can walk away from it more easily I would say than the Nuggets can just because they don't have as much equity and as much tied into Malik Beasley as the Nuggets do. I also don't expect that offer to come. It could, but I don't expect it. And so from from Minnesota's perspective, they lose a player who was the the best person in the in their part of the deal, you know, sending and receiving, and don't get anybody of commensurate value. But that pick could end up being useful. And Covington, just with how far behind the Wolves are from where we wanted them to be, especially when you consider they already traded. Jeff Teague for crab and all that crap that there is an argument that even though Covington has two more years left that he wasn't going to he wasn't really on the right timeline for the Wolves and I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns is thrilled about it but they're just not in that place yet yeah Towns did have discussions yesterday with Sam Amick and the Minneapolis Star Tribune talking about how Covington is his best friend on the team and he hopes he doesn't get traded but he also doesn't get involved in that stuff and he trusts Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders Towns for all of his supposed surliness and unhappiness I mean he is a master at saying the right things at least in terms of his quotes in the media or just saying nothing at all as well he's pretty milk and toast there which you now is probably what you want to do frankly Beasley I like the fit there 
his drive game is something that is probably a little underrated you know he'll come up for some big dunks and he actually can make a three-pointer you know i think if i had to project his three-point percentage going forward he's probably gonna take more difficult shots now in minnesota but you know i think he'll be above 35 percent, which is a massive upgrade on what they've thrown out there with the likes of Jarrett culver and josh Kogi, etc um and then hernan gomez i mean he may start for them at the four now we're finally get a chance to see what he can do see what he can do defensively as well you know he may not be a starting four there but uh, just to have more guys who can shoot carl anthony towns is probably going to put up some monster offensive numbers now you would think point guards a little rough for them now they I mean that they, they traded away teague and now shaz napier as well a, a, a little they don't have i mean are, are we going to have the second team that's relying on evan turner as their backup ball handler well they've got jordan mclaughlin who's actually looked yes, semi okay for them and i think culver is going to be the starting point guard they had gone to that for a while and now the floor is going to be spaced enough that if there is a chance for Culver to look good, I think he's looked better attacking the rim than I expected, shown a little more explosion than I expected. The overall season-long numbers are atrocious for him, of course. But Andrew Wiggins, maybe he'll have a chance to look a little bit better. I mean, they should be pretty solid offensively with more spacing now. And, you know, Hernan Gomez, we'll see, is he going to shoot 33% or is he going to shoot 40% from three? You know, I think he's going to settle in kind of in between there but he's a volume guy he can rebound i think he's got some tools defensively maybe more than expected for your typical stretch power forward so these guys are going to get a chance here now and it might be look a little weird with no point guard but ultimately i i like the steal pretty well for minnesota as well i, I think that to get what they could for covington especially considering his questionable health issues to get guys who actually can play now too you know it's not just draft picks so you're maybe not alienating towns as much these are guys who might be able to help the rest of the year and then you could re-sign hopefully onto value contracts after getting a look at them and you would bet that one of those two guys at least will still be in minnesota after this year yeah i mean it it would be surprising to me if aaron gomez unless he just goes absolutely hog wild these last couple months that any that that anybody just goes yeah i I mean they could just none you know not even give him a qualifying offer that but but it is a lot it is a lot better more tenable for minnesota than some other teams to just hold on to his cap hold give him that qualifying offer and just and just run with it I, I think that's i think it's worth doing but i'm higher on wacho than the last team that had him yeah i'm positive of this deal in minnesota too i mean i was the one who negotiated the three the three firsts in the mock deadline but those were lower quality firsts and i thought that was a uh, that was an overly strong return so this is more realistic and i think it's on the higher end and i really like rosas identifying a potential market inefficiency here and picking not only players who fit that bill but also fit in with the present wolves and probably more like the 21 22 wolves as well so minnesota in theory could get themselves some cap space this summer if they wanted to stretch gorgie jang they could actually get up to about 20 million in space but that would mean they'd be moving on from the cap holds of Hernan gomez and beasley as well they'll be over the cap if they hold on to both of their cap holds so more than more likely than that they they aren't gonna end up doing anything of note this summer but they will have access to their full mid-level exception which presumably will go to a point guard unless culver is fantastic in that role. uh yeah summer. well I do got some bad news for you here, though, Danny. <laughs> the, you mean the fantastic quality of free agents in the free agent point yeah. guards in the 2020 class? Now, Fred Van Vliet would be a wonderful fit here. Uh, but then you're looking at a DJ Augustine, a Goran Dragic, Reggie Jackson, you know, that type of level of guy. Rajon Rondo, if he declines his player option. So 
not unbelievable options there, and the search for a point guard continues. I guess they're going to try and see if it can well, be and, Culver. And now, if only they still had Derrick Rose on the contract Detroit gave him, that would that would be a closer to a solution than what they have. Also. Yeah, well, so and that takes us to our next point, where there are rumors throughout the day again. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, we talked about that extensively last night. I think the fact that this deal got done means that that's dead until the summer, but they could still try to trade for him. Yeah, I mean, what would the matching salary be at this point? Well, you know, I think you kids, you could have... You could fold it in, I guess. Um. Oh, you're talking about like if they did it now? Yeah. Well, they're, they're trying to foist Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors. That's what they... Yeah, it's true. But, but and yeah, I, I, I had a cold, I got a cold sweat this afternoon when that looked like it might be a stronger possibility of like the, 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 the trolling that would be okay. Trading for D'Angelo Russell now. Okay. D'Angelo Russell's gone. Now they have Andrew Wiggins from, per, from personal standpoint, but yeah, except everyone agrees with us that Andrew Wiggins is bad now. I, I think we're ahead of the curve on that one, by the way. Um, Time but yeah, so Russell and Wiggins. Wiggins makes about 300000 more than Russell. Warriors have some maneuvering room below the hard cap now. You would think that if they did want to do this deal, probably Kavon Looney is going to be in it. I don't think there's another way. I mean, unless they threw in like a, like three other guys that they could get below the tax. As we talked about yesterday, that could be a motivation for the Warriors. But it seemed like they wanted to get this big haul for Covington that they could turn around to the Warriors. It seems like the Warriors just aren't really that interested in Robert Covington for whatever reason. I would have thought that they would be, but apparently not. And so now basically, again, we talked about what Golden State's goal is going to be, which is they want to get a star eventually and they want assets to do that. And so if Andrew Wiggins must be in this deal, how much draft capital you have to throw in if you're Minnesota to make up for not only that you're getting Russell, an asset that you apparently really want and that at least some teams value, but then also that you're making Golden State, who's going to be deep in the tax, by the way, take on the salary of Andrew Wiggins. So you have to compensate them for that also. And you basically now have to compensate Golden State for the loss of that equity when Golden State would then be forced to flip Wiggins for when a star becomes available. And I think if you, if the only way to do this is with Wiggins, it just becomes too difficult. I mean, maybe if Minnesota will throw in the kitchen sink and Golden State could have its own pick and Minnesota's pick this year and this Brooklyn pick and maybe another pick even going forward after that, then maybe that looks more appealing to flip along with Wiggins for the big star who becomes available next time. But I think you probably got to just hold on to Russell at this point, unless there's just such an overwhelming draft capital offer. And it sounds like Golden State was demanding that. And with the reporting that those deals are dead for now, it seems like that is also dead now. Uh, So maybe in the summer when you could get another team involved, force Wiggins onto them, either into cap space or get it another player who would be easier to flip for golden state for a star but right now i think if your goal is to flip for a star holding on to russell rather than taking wiggins plus you know this brooklyn pick and one other minnesota pick that isn't this year's you're probably better off holding on to russell if you're golden state do you agree with me i do and the offers just don't appear to be on the table and also something that loosens up after the year is that teams are less committed to necessarily like what what they had and so i maybe a star or at least a pretty good player shakes loose that is not available right now and so it just opens up a larger universe of possibilities so yeah i i, th- I think that's the right play you ready to move on to Denver I think this trade is is kind of strange but also compelling from their perspective well 
My initial take here is given all of the moving parts that they have potentially at both shooting guard and power forward, I think that having the, the restricted rights on both of these guys could have been pretty useful for them. I don't agree. I don't know what the chances were that they were going to re-sign all these guys. Pretty low. Let's go through their finances first here because that's really the lens that you have to look at this. Oh, oh really? Finances could be important for how the Denver Nuggets make a trade. Yeah. So they basically have right now and would have had a, a, about 35 million below the luxury tax line but you also have that projects that jeremy grant's going to opt out of his nine million paul Millsap is a free agent mason plumley is a free agent tory craig is a restricted free agent and of course you would have had hernan gomez and beasley as restricted free agents and then you've also got michael porter who could potentially step in to be your starting power forward next year so but you don't know if he's ready for that yet i mean you really got to see how the playoffs shake out how is Gary Harris going to play? Is he going to end up being a trade chip? Because they've got Jamal Murray kicking in at the max next year, estimated at, at almost $29 million. So having more options at the two, if you needed to move Harris, and maybe you could have Beasley there who would be cheaper. Hernan Gomez certainly even as like a backup for if Grant were to opt out and you lose Millsap and maybe you could bring him back as your backup for behind Michael Porter Jr. But the reality was, they might have had to go into the tax to keep those guys around. Maybe they could have just kept those guys around on solid contracts, done the Nene where they just moved them later. But I just don't think it was realistic for them to be that expensive. So they're giving up these assets and they're trying to get something cheaper. Houston's first round would probably be in the 25 or so range. Cost you $2 million. I think I probably would have preferred to hold on to the restricted rights here, but it's close. And then when you throw in the financial considerations, it's probably not close anymore because they just weren't going to retain these guys unless something really crazy happened. Another reason why ownership is such a big advantage, it was kind of under, we, we didn't we didn't yeah. say it overtly in the Houston section, but we should here because Denver could pay the luxury tax and it would make them a materially better team. So you have that. Yeah, what, what, yeah because so they could, you know, re-sign all these guys and have a lot of depth and, and all that stuff. Like, so. Yeah, and they could, they could also just go a little bit over the tax. Like this, I'm not saying they're, their ownership sucks because they're not willing to go 15 yeah. million over for a team that probably isn't going to win title nothing like that but to to treat the tax line as a, as a do not pass line for a team that you know could have made the western conference finals last year that is in that you know sort of that I, I think they're more of a second round team than a conference finals team now but anyway they're young and could get better what what i find so strange about this deal is the kind of the the other part of the resource allocation in the immediate denver traded Beasley a two and Aaron Gomez I think of him mostly as a four and then Vanderbilt you know we'll we'll see what his role is eventually yeah I'm not a believer in him I I don't think he really has a role ultimately I I, I agree I think he's a man without a country um kind of both both amazing rebounder love watching him rebound but he doesn't do it and he tries hard defensively but doesn't really have a like a clear-cut position there but so they traded those players for Napier talented capable point guard who yeah. overlaps with more so maybe there's going to be another move coming there and then Vonley, who once mason plumley comes back i think is going to be completely out of the rotation and is uh you know a, going to be an unrestricted free agent napier same thing so presumably you don't expect those guys to be back so they filled holes that didn't need to be filled and now have potentially a spot in the wing rotation that needs to be filled and that's a harder spot to accommodate yeah i mean they're definitely relying on porter being able to contribute 
improving now in the playoffs and he, he's played well uh they also might have just given up their most reliable three-point shooter in the backcourt yeah beasley wasn't unbelievable he's playing like 18 minutes a game for them in and out of the lineup depending uh, uh, on who's available but playing more or less he also did apparently have some pretty exorbitant contract demands they offered him the three-year 30 million before the season which he turned down reports indicated but demands are turned into something different when a player actually has to hit the market you yeah know, like that's he, true. He, he can't he can't just leave but i think if they offered him if they weren't going to exceed that offer he probably would have just taken the qualifying offer i think that i don't know that that would have been the best move for rich paul to make for his client but i think that probably would end up but him taking the qualifying offer wouldn't have been the end of the world um but again i'm not killing denver as much as i did for when they uh, made those tax avoidance moves with chandler and farid a couple of years ago i think it was a consideration here but they also got assets for guys that you know maybe they maybe weren't going to retain probably weren't going to retain they got that one pick for them um to be able to consolidate them into a first round pick rather than just getting a second for each of them i'm certain they would have loved to have gotten a first at some point for Beasley or Hernan Gomez, but the teams that are giving that up, they're giving that up for a guy who's going to be clearly starting for them and who's going to really help them in the playoffs who are looking for championship contention. And I don't know that those guys are quite good enough to help you win now. And I don't think any of the teams that are in the situation of like Minnesota or Atlanta, those type of teams that wanted to have their restricted rights, were going to give up an individual first for each of them. So I think consolidating those guys was good work so i don't know that this is a bad deal for denver uh, i think no I, w- I would say it's more disappointing than bad just because it's a reminder that they that they have these constraints that are in place I guess so. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and same thing with Houston. I mean, they had a concern as well. Maybe there's some version of this deal that if they'd been willing to spend more, could have been sexier for them. I mean, I think just in, and in fact, maybe you would just say to take on more money, get back some other rotation player from somewhere who could have helped them in this deal. And they do have the trade exception. Maybe they'll take on more money. But I don't think that either of these teams, the tax avoidance, you know, really made this deal significantly worse for them in any tangible way that we know about. Um, So I I think Denver did okay here. I think they, it's not satisfying to say, hey, we drafted these guys in 2016. They they seemed like good draft picks at the time, 15 and 20. We hold on to them for four years and then we get the 25th overall pick to trade them away after that. But that's just the nature of how they're going to have to transition a little bit here now. You know, they kind of made their bet a little bit by maxing out Murray so early. This deal was also facilitated by the fact that Will Barton has really returned to form this year. If he hadn't, then, you know, Beasley would have been a much more important player for their future. And they're making their bet a little bit more on Gary Harris now, too, who who has struggled shooting the ball the last couple of years. So I think this is fine for them. Uh, and And I think ultimately pretty impressive deal making by all four of these GMs to do a deal where I think it's at least neutral for just about every team and I think significantly improves the futures of a lot of these teams. So great work. You know, Daryl Morey, Gerson Rosas know each other, have a good relationship. That always helps quite a bit. Uh, you know, it seemed like the, that was the some of the biggest components here. Uh, well, and also, yeah. also teams making very different kinds of bets. So in Houston's case, it was the small ball one. Atlanta's, it was Clint Capella being a better option than what will be on the center market this summer when they will have the world will be their oyster. And then for, you could say for Minnesota and Denver, part of it was what the restricted market is going to look like for Beasley and Wancha. But all of those bets are, are reasonable at the bare minimum. And in some cases, I think they'll cash out. Yeah, so this is uh, some pretty good GMing by all these teams here. 
I would say to make it this complex each get something that I think could help these teams in the future let's transition now to uh, a team not known for the same quality of GMing yeah the Knicks I mean the the turmoil continues in Madison Square Garden considering how close we are to the trade deadline for Steve Mills they basically Dolan fired Steve Mills as the team president Scott Perry will now run basketball operations in the interim we'll see where things go from here and I believe it was it was Perry that or sorry it was it was Mills that took over like two days before training camp so this isn't the first time that Dolan has has made a weird move like this and I I, I mean you have a couple of different kind of big pieces here and for me one of them is one of my big theories in terms of running a team is that once you identify a, a, a decision maker as not being the right fit for your team you need to get rid of them as soon as you can now i think that decision should have been made a while ago but if there were moves that pair that that the combination of of perry and mills were holding back that maybe just perry by himself and and with a change from ownership could let go most notably that might be marcus morris based on the reporting that's out there now then better better late than never to be damn sure a lot of gardenologists i think that's the the madison square garden version of the old kremlinologists like frank isola stefan bondi are tying this to the latest pr embarrassment the fire dolan chance the sell the team chance that we're wafting through during the memphis game another embarrassment for the knicks at home actually have one two straight on the road since then but that's irrelevant mills getting reassigned to be a board member at msg was pretty fine so he's still gonna be run maybe he's still gonna be in dolan's ear even now and then there's the talk of course that they're trying to lure masai ujiri initial reports came out that no that's not going to happen due to issues with potential compensation and also masai actually wanting to go there his contract as everyone knows runs through 2021 in toronto who knows whether he would actually get the autonomy that no one else has really been granted to bring in their own staff and hire the coach that they want etc etc and so the talk now is well they're gonna go the route that has proved successful for the Golden State Warriors and the LA Lakers. We can quibble as to the latter of those with Palinka, but certainly you could say Bob Meyer has been very successful in Golden State, and perhaps that is part of this rebranding. They hired this PR firm that's supposedly going to make them appear more valuable or or uh, more palatable to free agents. And a few names of prominent agents have been bandied about who could potentially take over above Perry. Who knows whether that person who takes over will even have the ability to move on from Perry if he doesn't want to work with him. And Perry, to me, has uh, not exactly covered himself in glory in three separate stops in Orlando, Sacramento, and now New York. But the timing is just completely insane. Hollinger wrote a whole piece about it i encourage you guys to read of just like why it's so ridiculous to fire your supposed lead basketball decision maker two days before the trade deadline i mean at least they have some continuity with perry but who knows what he has the power to do now it's uh just miserable timing and they need to actually sell off what they can like marcus morris talking about keeping him around instead of moving him for a potential first round pick i mean that to me is utter insanity because bringing back a 30 year old marcus morris who's coming off a career year and needs the ball at least when he plays for the knicks doesn't really make any sense is just not at the same point where they need to be rebuilding and in asset collection mode. I don't know. I I mean, it's stupid. We all know it. I, I, I'm too tired here. I can't. Let's. I'm looking forward to talking about an actual competent franchise again, like we just did with those four teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers are. 
figuring out uh, what to do with Tristan Thompson. There's reporting that he was once interested in a contract extension with the Cavs, and now a trade out of Cleveland is a priority. It would have been, to me, shocking to see Cleveland give another big man an extension, though there's plenty of wiggle room with Thompson because he's paid so much money now, there could have been, you know, they, they could have done anything if they found agreeable terms. But if he doesn't want to be a Cavalier anymore, that will that can happen as soon as tomorrow and as late as July 1st. Yeah, and also, uh, before we bid you adieu here, timing for the rest of the week, we got two more episodes to do. We might do one of them tomorrow night if there's enough action. If not, we'll just do a two-parter on Thursday to go through everything that happens. Also, we are doing the NBA cast on the NBA's Twitch channel for Philly and Milwaukee on the night of the trade deadline. So we'll take a ton of questions there. You can get in on Twitch. If you're worried about syncing up, they actually are going to delay it. We're working with the guy at the NBA. So if you're commenting that you need him to delay it more, you can work that out for syncing purposes and you can ask us a bunch of questions about the trade deadline live which would be really fun as we'll do uh the live call of that game as well and uh congratulations dan feldman pretty good there rockets trading capella for covington in a four-team deal yeah you didn't quite have the price right but pretty damn good nonetheless man especially for the the mock trade deadline to come with a four-teamer that actually worked that everyone wanted to do that mimicked real life this closely not bad man <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you all at some point pretty soon here. Till then.